A website is never finished, especially a B2B tech website. Welcome to Forward Slash, the podcast that explores how B2B tech companies can leverage their websites to achieve fast, efficient, predictable, and scalable growth. In each episode, I take a big issue affecting the B2B tech landscape and then pick the brains of marketing leaders around the world to learn how the issue affects the questions B2B tech marketers should be asking about their websites and how to answer them. Let's get into it. Yag Ganesh, host of the Yag Project podcast, TEDx speaker, book author, including the revenue marketing book, How to Build a Predictable and Repeatable Revenue Marketing Engine that Works, as well as the Collaborative Crow, How to Democratize Customer Intelligence Across Your Organization to Accelerate Growth, and obviously the Director of Content Marketing at Avoma, uh, which is uh, an AI-based meeting assistant with conversational intelligence. Welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Adam. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me on the show, and I'm super excited to see what we got today. Yeah, as am I. Uh, been really looking forward to this. I, I, I'm really excited to be able to speak with you, Yag. Um, it, mostly for for two reasons. First, just to pick your brain uh, on SaaS content marketing strategy and execution, and all the cool things that you're doing at Avoma um, and with Avoma's website, but also just to learn. Uh, about you and your journey that led to Avoma. So I, let's just go ahead and start there. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I have about 13 plus years of um, experience in the marketing world. I started as a solopreneur. I finished my MBA in 2008, 2009. And um, when I came out, I was offered a job in a Dubai-based company. And um, funny enough, due to the recession at that time, my job was called off. I didn't know what to do. Uh, there were, I mean, companies weren't hiring at that time. So I, I thought, you know, I'm at the beginning of my career. Why not give, give a try at entrepreneurship? So uh, I started my own company and ran it for about two years. Learned a lot in that space. I did all all possible mistakes that one could learned hands-on that uh, the importance of capex, opex, and uh, um, you know the line of credit. What happens when somebody uh, delays your payment and all of that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, then eventually, at some point, I um, you know switched. I was getting married, and I uh, took up a full-time role at a company called SolarWinds based out of Austin. So I was working remotely from Chennai. From there on, I worked at a few companies, uh, uh, held positions. Uh, you know, heading marketing, heading product marketing, so on and so forth. And right now I'm uh, part of Avuma for the last um, one and a half years or a little more than that now. Quite an amazing journey. Uh, it's, it's in fact uh, funny the way I found my way into Avuma is that I... Uh, I was working for one of uh, the companies in 2016-17 uh, when Aditya, the founder of Avoma, had not started Avoma at that time. And uh, his previous company had got acquired by a company called uh, 24-7 AI. At that point, he was talking about uh, how he was not happy with um, Intercom because of some pricing issues at that point. And uh, I was uh, working on a chat product with a different company. I reached out to him. I said, hey, I saw your tweet. Do you want to use my product for free for a year? Let's see how things work out. The, the deal didn't go through, but uh, we the relationship got built. We kept in touch. I liked his value systems, the way he approached things. And, uh, you know, we had a... We had a lot of common values. For example, the way uh, I look at product marketing is that one of one of the key aspects is as part of my research, I generally believe that uh, it is not okay to sign up for a competitor's product as part of your uh, mystery shopping. I mean, it's generally believed that you can, but it's my personal value system that I, I don't like that. 
I'm okay if, um, you know, a prospect tells me that they found this feature of my product better than somebody else because of X, Y, and Z, but me not signing up for that product. And I saw similar value systems with Aditya and the transparency with which he was building Avoma. And I reached out to him and I said, hey, I understand that your value proposition is different because of this compared to other players in the industry, which are looking at it in a unidimensional manner. And uh, I see that you don't have uh, anybody on the marketing side of the house. So how about, uh, you know, we get on a call and uh, fast forward. Uh, I've been with the company for about one and a half years, amazing journey, uh, amazing organization. And I'm super excited to take care of content marketing. There's been a immense learning journey here. Gotcha. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you. And, and just, uh, can you put in your own words, what is Avoma and, and what is their purpose? Yeah, absolutely. So Avuma is a combination of things. Right now, the the, the entire world of conversation intelligence and um, revenue intelligence is kind of getting more and more commoditized with uh, more products coming into this section. So rather, I would explain how this works and how we look at it. So we have a different point of view to this industry. We think that every meeting has a life cycle. That is a set of things that you do before the meeting, during the meeting, and after the meeting. For example, you could send a calendar invite and then the meeting gets booked and then somebody goes on the call, um, the call happens and then you might either take notes on paper or you might uh, use one of those uh, note-taking tools uh, mm -hmm. where you still manually take notes and then update it to the CRM. And then you have conversation intelligence, which gives you insights on multiple aspects. For example, you could look back at the last 30 days, all the number of calls and learn that, hey, what is the most mentioned um, competitor so that you can prepare better uh, battle cards? Or for example, you could coach your sales team saying that, hey, these are the other people. This is how they're handling objections. You could learn from that. Or for example, you could, uh, if you're developing something in the product, you could also understand which features are requested the most so that you can focus on that. So there are multiple use cases. And then there is revenue intelligence, wherein you look at what is the pipeline at any given standpoint of time, where the ball is getting dropped and make sure that you don't uh, slip the deal through the cracks. So the way Avoma looks at it is uh, we look at the entire life cycle. Uh, for example, we have a scheduler, which helps you schedule meetings. The call gets recorded, both audio and video. And then there is a transcription that happens. In addition to that, you have notes, which is AI generated. By notes, what I mean is a one-pager note. For example, imagine if this was a sales conversation. What would happen is it would say, hey, Adam was comparing me to these two competitors. And then these were the three pain points that he had. Then these were the three or four features that he was super excited about. And this is the next course of action. Now, this is something that came up from our own discussion, which gets written by AI. And it automatically gets updated to the CRM so that that information is not lost in thin hair, but it's kind of democratized across the company for everyone to have who has access to the CRM. And then, of course, uh, you know, people can learn from multiple calls. All calls are, uh, you know, available for everybody in the organization to go back and listen to. You can create playlists of different topics and learn from that. You can also get analytics and, of course, the revenue insights as well. So this is why we look at it as one whole journey. Uh, that's why we call it a meeting lifecycle assistant rather than boxing it just into conversation intelligence or just into revenue intelligence per se. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, cool. A lot of good stuff there. You mentioned buyer journey pipeline leakage, granular tracking, um, which, uh, you know, definitely want to dive into uh, in a little bit. One thing that I would like to first discuss, because I think it's, I think it's a good place to start and kind of set the scene 
as far as everything that you just mentioned, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here a little bit, so I apologize, but as uh, the director of content marketing uh, at a B2B SaaS company like Avoma, um, what's keeping you up at night? <laughs> like what, <laughs> particularly now in an economic downturn, and uh, you know, we can frame this uh, in a way that kind of addresses what you just said, but what's making you sweat as a content marketer at a B2B SaaS company? Right. So any given day, you can look at two different types of uh, uh, problems. One is uh, creating the right content that makes sense to the customer. And second is distributing the content to the right people in the right format. So at the outset, these are going to be the only two fundamental problems, but there are nuances to it. For example, mm -hmm. how do I decide what is the right content for my audience? There are people who think about it from the point of view of, hey, should it be layered to uh, top funnel, mid funnel, bottom funnel? Or should it be uh, focused on, hey, do I create awareness first or do I create more of bottom of the funnel content? What we do at Avoma is um, we don't blindly go based on what, what is the search volume for a particular keyword? Can we find topics around that? That's not how we build strategy. You know, For us, it's, it's, it starts from uh, what our customers are looking for because we have our own tool uh, where we understand the kind of questions that these people ask. We encourage the culture uh, wherein everybody across the company listens to at least a couple of calls every day so that everybody from the engineering team to the customer success team, everybody has a pulse of what the audience is looking for. For example, there was a prospect who asked one of our A's a question saying, hey, I see something called filler words in your product. Just because you have this, uh, does it mean that you will be able to uh, close more deals or because you use filler words, are you losing deals? You know, what is the real scene there? Now, you're asking about a particular feature. And then this question, we might not have specifically answered this through an FAQ or we might not have had a blog around this. When you listen to these calls, you kind of get a hang of what are the kind of questions our prospects are having. Are we having answers to those in the form of our content? Now, we went back and we did some analysis and we found out three key things. One was that just because you use filler words, it's not going to mean that uh, you know, you're going to lose a deal. By the way, by filler words, what I mean is using a lot of words like, I mean, you know, uh, things like that, sure. right? So just because you use filler words, you're not going to lose a deal. Number two is that if you're using... 70% filler words for every 100 words you speak, then you come across as you're not confident, maybe you're not sure of what you're talking or you're nervous, and it does not give a great experience to your prospect. Number three, if you're not using any filler words at all, and if you sound too perfect, that also sounds way too rehearsed, and it's not relatable. So we found a sweet spot through our research that there is this one to 2% filler words usage that can happen which still feels normal and regular. Then I matched it to say the search volume of filler words on Ahrefs. And I found that there are about 6,000 searches for the word filler words every month. Marrying these two and giving an answer through in the form of a blog that specifically answers somebody's question is going to be really helpful rather than, you know, whatever keyword you search for, I'm in the top five, but does it really help? It's not about getting found in the top five. Yes, a lot of people compete for that. But at the end of the day, the intent of your content really matters. And once you have that nailed down, we understand who are the different personas that we are going after. You know, for example, in our case, um, we see that our, our 
typical conversation starts with either sales or customer success. And then the other functions in the organization also start to adopt Avoma. So we created an entire sales playbook uh, wherein we said, hey, these are the 30 or 40 topics that um, gets frequently discussed, I mean, uh, discussed in this area. And then we need to maybe deep dive on this. Uh, then that becomes the plan for the quarter. And we go about it. And then we think, okay, now, now that we have this plan, second, how do we distribute it? What are the different formats? Which of these should be podcasts? Which of these should be blogs? Which of these should be downloadables? Um, can we make more snippets? So on and so forth. And it, once we realize this, where should we distribute this? That's how the plan goes. Gotcha. Very cool. Very interesting. And, and you mentioned a couple of things. Uh, again, if I could um, take a step back here. You mentioned the funnel and understanding the buyer journey, right? This is all about being customer centric yeah. uh, and, and, and knowing what their, their problems are and, and their needs. Kind of feeding into that, I, I think as as content marketers, everything that makes us sweat, it, it's all tied back to that buyer journey and, and understanding that buyer journey. Maybe I can uh, tell you an interesting story here. You know, at the beginning of uh, my career, when I was doing sales and I moved from sales to marketing, my reporting manager was having a discussion with the sales team in a conference room. They were discussing about launching a product. And, uh, you know, the VP of sales there goes, who's going to create content for this? And the discussion was like, hey, we have a couple of content guys who will be able to pull this off very quickly. The next question asked by the VP of sales really changed the way I look at things. He asked, all right, so the person who is not in this meeting, who does not have any context of what we discussed is going to work on this content. I'm like, wow. You know, the moment you understand that, then, you know, that's where the actual gap is. Many times I've noticed that the content marketing team sits somewhere else in the organization, far away from sales. Um, I'm talking in the physical world as well as in today's remote world. Still, you know, what happens is majority of the organizations, what I've observed is the sales team is not necessarily aware of the all the existing content, even if it's on the website. I've seen discussions where they would say, I would be happy if we can have a help document to uh, help this customer install this part of the product or say uh, tweak the, uh, or make this customization. And I'm like, there is help uh, help documentation right within the website, you know, just go click on it, search for this, you're going to get it. So these kind of conversations do happen from time to time, but I, you know, that's, that's exactly where it starts. You know, if you don't get the pulse of what the customer is looking for and don't, don't understand their entire journey and what are the questions they have in their head, then um, how much ever detailing you do with your marketing strategy, it's not going to help. Well, cause we're, I feel like we're complicating the issue um, almost by simplifying it, right? Like the, the funnel, the, the, the flywheel, they're, yeah. they're a bit dated, right? We have a, we have a yeah. new kind of a modern understanding of what's actually happening before somebody lands yeah. on your website. They already know about you. They've done, they've done that research. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and this actually like this approach that we're taking uh, towards the funnel and, and the flywheel and, and, and this linear journey um, to your point, like, and, and I was just watching um, uh, a webinar with, uh, with Tara Robertson, who's the, the head of demand, uh, demand gen over at Chili Piper. She was explaining an experience that she was having um, about uh, she was uh, researching a product. I think it was an experimentation product. Uh, uh, for, I think this was a company before she was with Chili Piper, but she had done all the research herself. Uh, before she actually landed on the website, um, and she she scheduled uh, some time uh, on the website, and I guess three days later, um, uh, a sales rep reached out, 
And she was ready to talk pricing. She had everything done. And she was sitting through this uh, presentation about the benefits of the industry, uh, let alone the benefits of the product. I, I have and, a problem even further. I'm like, why did it take three days for the rep to reach out? Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> why did it? Right. And, and there's there's a disconnect there, right? So so it's like yeah. by linearizing and, and simplifying this, we're making it awkward and confusing and 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 uh, sometimes angering uh, yeah. um, our, our prospects and and that's exactly what happened she was she was so kind of annoyed at that at, at the issue yeah. um, that she dropped this solution completely from 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 consideration yeah. so um, that that just wanted to lead into that point you know understanding the buyer journey you know I would also like to add one more point why I think funnel as well as the flywheel is a little more flawed is that 90% of what we do is based on the journey that we want the customer to take. For right. example, you know, um, if you think that there is going to be top funnel, mid funnel and bottom funnel, you are making somewhat of an assumption saying that, hey, a person is going to consume 12 different pieces of content uh, multiple days before signing up for your product or a trial. It's, it's like you're not even attempting to uh, make the journey easier. And as you rightly alluded to with the Chili Piper example, is that Today, we have so many communities. In fact, I've seen people who ping me on uh, LinkedIn and they start a conversation saying, hey, uh, have you used XYZ product? And I'm like, yeah, I'm using it currently at my company. And they're like, hey, can you give me a quick demo? We are trying to solve this problem. And I want to know if this helps. We quickly get on a Zoom call and I show how I solve that with that. And imagine this, you know, this is not even A showing it. It's me talking with somebody in the marketing community saying how I used this product to solve my problem. It might be selling, it might not, I might even talk about what is not working, what is working. And sure. they they go into the conversation with that knowledge, even before the AE shows the screen for the first time. Now you said that you uh, your team is uh, listening in on sales conversations um, it sounds like there's uh, much more alignment between the marketing and sales team. Were there any direct conversations with customers, any kind of cold calling there or uh, any other ways that you're understanding where prospects uh, have heard of you um, yeah. before you're reaching out to them for that first time? Apart from uh, us listening to these conversations, we also look into the data right within our product. There are certain times where we talk to the customers as well. Uh, for example, if it's about case study, it's about interviewing them or getting them on a podcast. It, it depends on uh, different situations, but it's very important also to understand that not everybody in an organization should be reaching out to prospects. It's it's like nobody wants to get uh, you know 20 emails on the same day from the same company, right? We draw out our entire journey and say, all right, uh, any given day, this is the max number of emails that can go out for a particular customer or say, for example, even when the onboarding happens, these are the times where the max emails goes out, right? So during sign up, during the onboarding and, uh, you know, the conversations that happens just before uh, they get into the groove of adapting your product. Now, coming back to the core question of uh, how do we get information, right? We work very closely with sales as well as with customer success for two reasons. We need to know what is the experience of the customer with our product. We also need to know the kind of questions that people have before coming in. So we have set up trackers right within Avuma. Uh, 
the beauty of conversation intelligence is that you're not making any assumption. I'm not saying that I am competing with that XYZ company because they are market leaders and I think I should be competing with them. No, I'm I'm making this based on what comes up in the conversation. Somebody says that, hey, Yag, I'm right now evaluating these three products and I want to know how you are different from them. Now, the conversation is very precise. It's like, they are aware of who we are. They are aware of who the competition is. They have very precise question. Now, my job is to dig deeper and understand why they have not chosen them rather than jumping in and showing my feature. Uh, it's very important for me to understand why they were not satisfied with it and understand their entire workflow and then showcase my problem. Now, second thing is how do I learn from sales conversations is that we increase the sales team to consistently ask questions like, hey, you came in inbound. Um, looks like you scheduled a demo with us on this day, but how did you find us? How did you get to know about our Simple question at the start of every sales conversation. They answer, they say that um, because an SDR reached out or because we read a blog or uh, because we uh, clicked on an ad, of course we can see all of that. But when you can see this on your CRM, it's still not 100%. You know, sometimes the attribution can be uh, a little uh, mistrue. The beauty of OVMA is that I can track all this over a 90-day basis or a 30-day basis, and I can understand what worked in this month. And uh, if I can say that 70% of the customers said that they came in because uh, they read a blog post, then we understand that organic is really converting. Now go deep and understand which of the blogs that really converted or which of the landing pages that really converted then you understand why it worked. The next thing that we do is um, improve the experience of content on the page. I myself have reached out to 25, 30 of our uh, content consumers, like our prospects and our customers, or even our regular blog readers. You know, I've gone and asked them, what do you do after consuming this content? What does your journey look like? The moment you come on this page, you read this, what next? What we learned is that certain things that most SaaS companies do on their blog posts or on their content um, is not really useful. For example, you might have seen that a lot of uh, a lot of blogs have a list of social media buttons, you know, um, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, blah, blah, blah. And we asked ourselves, when was the last time we read somebody's content and felt, hey, wow, this is so good. I should share this on Facebook. I should share this on LinkedIn. Never really mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> how do you reach content? is that when you're trying to really solve a problem, um, you're searching for that question and then you're reading pro- probably you know four or five different blogs. And if you feel that this particular blog answers that question, you, you're gonna uh, drag that link and drop into your Slack to somebody with whom you want to collaborate within the organization and say, uh, hey buddy, take a look at this. This is how somebody has solved it. This may be useful for us. So that's, that's the first thing. And when I interviewed people, I identified uh, two key aspects there. One is people always try to skim the entire article first uh, by the headings and they do a mental mapping of, is it worth my time? And next, they look at it in detail or sometimes they might want, they might want to read only about one particular, they might know uh, out of the 10 things that you have said there, they might know seven, they want to know only three and they are just skimming to that part and reading just that. And then they are copy pasting. So what we did was, when we went to our blog post, we realized that our, generally most CMSs uh, identifies content based on categories. So for example, if we have written 10 sales blogs uh, and if I categorize this blog under sales, then 
uh, it's going to say, hey, also read these three blogs and it's going to be very random. It's not going to take them through a journey. Uh, these three blogs might be repetitive, might not be even relevant to the blog they just finished. So what we did was we changed two things. If you go to avoma.com and search for, uh, you know, look for uh, sales playbook, you will find that entire journey that we have built there. So what we have done is we listed a set of topics that would be relevant for AEs, set of topics that would be relevant for SDRs, set of topics that would be relevant for sales leaders and sales managers and categorize this in the left. And on the top, we had another uh, table of content, which is foldable. The idea was to just like open and, um, you know, get a skim of these are the topics that we have discussed, make it clickable so that if you're interested in only one topic, you will be able to go there. And then say that uh, because these people are sharing it on Slack or through their internal uh, communication system, which could be Microsoft Teams or anything that they're using, we realize that they're only copying this URL and pasting it there, which means I can just have a simple CTA. Uh, they're saying that, did you find this useful? Do you want to share it with your team? Copy this URL, just a click, right? Gotcha. So mm -hmm. the whole point is the moment you start understanding how people are behaving, what they are doing, you can make every single thing far more meaningful. These can look minor, but the kind of impact that it has when everybody takes the same amount of detailing, the kind of collective CX that it gives you to your company is massive. Totally, totally. Um, a lot of good stuff there. Kind of curious, how does this conversation change between product-led and sales-led uh, organizations? And correct me if I'm wrong, Avoma is a product-led SaaS organization or is that how you, you would categorize yourself? That's a very interesting question uh, because, uh, you know, we at Avoma talk about something called product-led and sales-assisted. This is the unique model that we talk about. People assume that if you want a big ticket, uh, big ticket sale, you always need to be sales led. Many times we've found that some of the bigger deals that we have closed uh, have actually started product led as well. So what we decided was let's do product led and sales assisted. So when we look at um, anything led, we are either talking about uh, acquisition or we are talking about um, conversion. But that journey has both. Even if somebody is acquired through product, there is somebody else who is activating and trying to convert. And there is not going to be one single journey all through. There are going to be different touch points. And when you look at Aboma, you will see two options. Right on the website, you will see uh, the trial signup. You will also see the schedule demo. And even if you go through the trial signup, there is always somebody available to assist you wherever you're getting stuck with the product. Um, let me give you a real life example. Let's say you walk into um, a departmental store or a supermarket and uh, you want to walk through the aisles without somebody breathing behind your neck. You want to be left free, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but still, when you're not able to find something that you're looking for, you know, you, you look around and you want somebody at the corner of your eye to come in and say, hey, Adam, how can I help you? Um, you know, what are you looking for? And get you that as well rather than walking with you all the time and saying, what do you want? Let me put this into your basket. That's not, that's not what we like. So mm -hmm. that's what we mean by product-led and sales system. We mean that the idea of this sales assistance is not to push something uh, down your throat, but it's basically to be available and reduce friction through the path. Because you know, in a typical product-led environment, what happens is every product is different. Now, not everybody is going to use the product the way you intend 
and people are going to have different problems that they are trying to solve with your product. And the moment they start using it, they might have some questions. And uh, some of them might be hand raises who might come up and say, hey, um, you know, I have a support question. Um, can somebody from your CS team reach out and solve? If they do that, great. But if they don't, and if they, uh, you know, feel that, hey, I'm not getting this product, this doesn't make sense, and they leave, we are going to lose a great opportunity. You know, it could have been a much bigger conversion, but maybe we lost. So that's that's what we do. This is what this is how we look at product-led and sales system. Does it make sense? It does make sense. And and I, I'm curious, I, I was thinking about this a, a, a little bit. I totally get that, that you can, there can be a fusion, right? It can be product-led, there can be sales-led, there can be a, a, a combination of the two. Yeah. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, with a sales-led, uh, approach. It's typically going to be a little bit more complex, right? It's it's more of an onboarding process. It's more of a custom setup. That's why you need those kind of face-to-face -face interactions. Um, but then take into account the fact that, okay, our prospects are completing 80% of their buyer journeys before they, they reach their website. How does that affect that, that journey? It seems to me that for, if we want to go sales-led there's going to be much more lean into content production and volume of content in order to simplify that journey in order to, to make sure that we are uh, doing our best to educate, um, you know, that buyer journey, that more complex buyer journey. Do you agree with that? I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, so what happens is um, still we do also get a lot of our, um, you know, customers through the sales led motion, wherein uh, people, instead of trialing the product, people also schedule a demo. See, it, it depends on the people's preference in a sense mm -hmm. like they feel, hey, I want somebody through to, uh, you know, take me through a journey and showcase that this is how I can use this and answer all my questions before uh, so that I can use those 14 days of trial more effectively. That also happens. But the difference today um, that we can do in a sales-led environment is that you need to understand where somebody comes from. As we spoke about, people come in all informed. You know, they probably might have figured out a good 50 to 60 percent of the things. And here's the beauty, right? Some of it might be right. Some of it might be assumptions that you want to correct uh, and say that, hey, no, no, this is not how you look at it. This is why we do this. And this is the basis of it. So those kind of questions. So the, the entire sales-led game here in, in a typical B2B SaaS company, the way it's changing or it should change is more towards a phase where we we are looking at it as, hey, there's so much information already available online and through communities and all of that. What is that additional value that I can add um, as a human factor entering into this conversation? You know, uh, I need to mm -hmm. understand where you come from. The discovery is the real game changer here. You know, whether I'm dealing with a competitive situation or whether I'm I'm supposed to do a consultative uh, selling by trying to understand what somebody is trying to accomplish. There are n number of possibilities, and uh, the the depth of discovery and actual curiosity that you uh, take to that conversation is where the real game is. Totally cool. Thank you. Thank you for that clarification. Um, okay, so let's get into good stuff, Yag. Um, content, the stuff that you're doing, you know, you, you dove into the blog and, and some of the playbooks. And I kind of want to dive into that, yeah. uh, like how that came about, what you're doing to improve it. Because um, to me, the, the, the beauty of, of content marketing is, and also the headache at the same time is just the sheer variety of, of everything at yeah. our disposal, right? And, and the content types and the formats and the, and the functionalities and the bells and whistles, apart from the topics that we can write, the sky's the limit, right? Especially when it comes to the website. So I'm curious, 
diving a little bit deeper, you know, you've got your blog, you've got your software comparison guide, your playbooks, your eBooks, your webinars. How have you prioritized that? Um, and just kind of curious about the ideation process and improvement process. I could, I could speak about this all day. I enjoy doing Let's that. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. Maybe that will give you uh, um, a better understanding of how the thought process happens. So um, I joined the company in April, 2021. And at that time, I was a one-person marketing team doing product marketing, content marketing, a bit of brand, uh, sometimes a bit of selling, sometimes, uh, you know, uh, doing demos, like typically what a startup marketer does. Mm. And spending that kind of uh, time across multiple aspects gave me a lot of clarity um, into what our limitations are, what what we are really great at, and uh, what is our unique differentiation, and what gives us trust. And at that point, when you're creating content, you know, um, unlike a big company which will have probably you know ten people just in the content team, or probably um, six to seven people right and just in the product marketing team, uh, so on and so forth. Um, you know, we, we had to focus our energies on the right things at the right stages. Um, so what we decided to do was, uh, first step, we decided to create a lot of conversion-related content based on the questions that our prospects had. I'll give you a very, very uh, precise example. One of the um, hegemons in the conversation uh, intelligence sector is Gong. Okay, so everybody knows Gong. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people would ask us, um, how are you different from Gong? One of the things that I realized was a lot of people uh, in that journey uh, were comparing two companies. You know, it was either uh, people who were buying Gong were also comparing another product called Chorus, and people who were buying Chorus were also comparing Gong, um, and they ended up buying uh, one of the two. And when I saw that majority of the new players who were coming in into uh, the sector were playing the same language as Gong. They were talking about the same sales coaching and revenue intelligence kind of a story. And they were they were bringing in that, um, you know, 80% of what they do at 20% of the cost game, which to me was like, you don't win a game by playing somebody else's style. You know, uh, if I'm going to play their playbook and expect to win, that's, that's not how things work. Right. So we, of course, we had a very unique point of view as I spoke to you about the meeting lifecycle assistance and all of that. But if people had not heard of Aboma at that time, you know, all this USP and uh, the positioning goes out the window. So I wanted people to first know that there is something called Aboma. So what we did was we wrote an, um, a blog called Gong versus Chorus. Okay. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. It was, uh, again, let me iterate, Gong versus Chorus and not Gong versus Chorus versus Avoma. Okay. So why am I saying this? The moment I have these three and you see that this is on avoma.com, mm -hmm. even before reading, however unbiased I might be, even before reading, you're going to think that this is on avoma.com and these guys are going to one-up the other two. Right? So nobody had heard of Avoma back then. So when I started this, we will like, let's just talk about Gong versus Chorus. And it's an in-depth 3000 plus word blog where we have very clearly spoken about where Gong is great at, where uh, Chorus is great, and what is conversation intelligence, what is revenue intelligence, uh, feature by feature. Uh, you know, we took about uh, four categories saying ease of use, 
uh, and then we spoke about features, we spoke about uh, pricing, we spoke about scalability of the product integrations and all of those things. <clears throat> and there are certain areas where we also said, um, hey, but what are these guys missing? There are certain things that these guys are missing, uh, like AI-generated note-taking, uh, automated updates to the CRM, um, and they are not focused on the SMB segment. They are uh, they are focused only on enterprises, and they are focused only on sales audience. So, ninety percent of a blog was focused only on Gong versus Chorus, and there was a ten percent mention of Avoma sprinkled in between in certain places. Um, as a matter of fact, and not saying that you should buy Avoma or not saying that this is how Avoma is awesome, none of those things. So what happened was we realized even till date, you know, we have we have had several uh, big deals close from that one particular blog. So the whole point okay. I'm trying to drive is um, at the beginning when you have limited resources, you need to identify the right opportunities and say that hey, these are uh, the kind of bets that you need to take. These are the kind of blogs where you need to invest your energies and start promoting those things better, and then. Um, when you have a slightly bigger team, you can have different people working on uh, different bets. For instance, last quarter, when we built this uh, sales playbook, we were very clear that this quarter, we are going to focus more towards the sales audience. Um, so the moment we do that, because you know, uh, one of the key door openers were the sales community, either the VP of sales or uh, the AEs. And each of them had a unique story. Even use specific languages, like say, for example, it's not a tool that monitors your calls, records your uh, things and uh, asks your VP to coach you. It's not a big brother that is watching over you all day. It is an assistant that works with you uh, and it takes notes for you, updates for you so that you can focus on the right things to do. So these are differences that you can look at and the stories that you tell and you say that, okay, this, this quarter, let me focus only on sales. And what are the questions that salespeople have? You know, what are the different topics? Um, they might have, leaders might have questions around uh, how to set up RevOps. They can have question around uh, how do I uh, do my pipeline reviews? Um, or people might have questions around what should I focus on when it, when I talk about revenue intelligence? Similarly, you know, an A might have a different set of questions. How do I take notes during the call? How do I learn from my peers? So how should I collaborate with my SDR? So on and so forth. So once you have this, these are not necessarily topics that are selling Aboma, uh, but very specifically helping this audience. And when they have these questions and they look for it and they find answers from Aboma, Aboma becomes a trusted source. And we are here to help by offering answers and we we have few fundamental aspects for every piece of content you know we we even have a rule book where we say that we don't write content based on hey everybody's writing this topic so i'll also write topic because it's it's fair it's getting a lot of search volume that's not how we approach it um mm. we fundamentally ask our question what is our tone do we have experience in it that we can talk about it in our own voice you know um it's a, it's like you can always search five different blogs and uh, stitch something together and uh, regurgitate it. But what's the point? You know, uh, we internally ask ourselves this one question saying that, hey, if I randomly read four lines in a blog post and uh, can somebody, you know, without looking up the brand, can they say that, hey, this is the point of view of Avoma. This makes sense. So unless we have a very specific point of view or unless we have very specific experience doing something and unless we can talk about it with 
specific examples and use cases, we don't talk about things. So we list these topics. We also vet it out saying that, do we have the right kind of expertise? Many times, topics like pipeline reviews, for instance, I or anybody in the content team might not have the core expertise. We interview our internal uh, VPs and uh, you know we even talk to multiple VPs and ask them, what do they do? And it gives you a great opportunity to do two, three things. You can use it as a blog because you've taken it from your VP and all of that. It, it becomes a great snippet for you to share on social media because he says, this is how I do it. You can create 10 different pieces of content just from one conversation. And that also is very authentic and helpful. So that's that's how it usually flows. Gotcha. Yeah, a lot of good stuff there. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to tease out like a, a, a grand narrative for, from all that because it was so good. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you touched on um, this almost a sense of piggybacking off of off of existing content, or or perhaps leaning on that existing content in order to bring to light, uh, yeah. uh, you know, what what your solution is and, and what does that awareness uh, play look like? A jobs to be done mentality, right? Where it's yes. not we're not just talking about what everybody else is talking about, but it's really understanding what customers are looking for and how they're using the product and speaking to that and perhaps yeah. how we can lean on what's already out there, it's almost like clarifying the information that's out there and helping them understand it better rather than adding to the noise. And I feel like that's that's a big issue right now is that a lot of marketers, we're just, okay, well, we should probably do like this listicle or we should probably do like, you know, this, because uh, everybody else is doing it, but it's thinking about what is that extra 10% that we're adding? What is that spice that's separating us from all of the other content out there and driving yeah. the action? So you said that you're maybe, actually... Maybe I can I can even give you one one very specific example. There was one blog post mm -hmm. we wrote about how to go about building a, um, a referral system for your company, right? So Aoma has nothing to do with referral system. But, you know, we write it because it's it's our community is looking for topics like this. We, we ourselves have gone through this journey. Uh, when we were building a referral system for Aoma within the tool, uh, we went through, uh, we went through talking to... Um, five or six different players and we had a process of evaluation. We also had a very specific journey of the things that we wanted to solve for and what was our uh, rewards model and all of those things. So when we wrote down the blog, we also gave away what we were looking for, what, what, what are our reward system and what we were trying to implement, why the regular e-commerce, uh, um, you know, e-commerce uh, referral systems, 90% of the referral systems available are mostly e-commerce. There are very few SaaS uh, products for that. And when you look at each of these things, what were available, what were not available and how exactly we did that. And many times, you know, uh, looking at that, people uh, schedule calls with us and say that, hey, I want to understand uh, how you implemented this particular product for your organization. I'm looking towards that. And for example, a lot of people have asked me, why this software comparison? You know, you're 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 comparing CRMs, you're comparing customer success softwares, you're um, comparing um, tools that are not not what you are selling. You know, uh, if if you're um, comparing other tools within your own section, it makes sense. Which we we have done that as well. But why are we comparing others? The whole point is when you're creating content, we we think about it from a very different perspective. Our experiment there was like. Somebody who is investing in Avoma has already invested on a CRM. Um, they have a set of tools in their sales stack or uh, tech stack per se. And Avoma is an addition to that to make the most of that, right? The thing is, everybody talks about generate demand and don't just capture demand. But how do you generate demand? You know, uh, generating demand is, are you building an audience? 
you want to be genuinely helpful in the pre-stages also. If somebody is trying to find a CRM, you still have to be helpful there. And of course, you know, I cannot go as broad as what a HubSpot would do. You know, for example, I cannot uh, write blogs on how to create a GIF, uh, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't want to go that extreme. I want to still be relevant to, you know, in, in the realm of what our audience is looking for, who are, if I'm talking to, say, uh, a revenue-focused audience, what are the different tools that they use? And if I can offer help there, that makes far more sense. We we came up with a ebook that was focused on how to do remote meetings, you know, a remote meetings handbook, um, an end-to-end uh, focused ebook. Or we also had an ebook called Collaborative Selling. So at the end of the day, it's about building that relationship, which, which is not about always selling your product. But yeah, if the topic is relevant, rather than beating around the bush, you can showcase a screenshot and say that, this is how you can go about doing it, which makes it far more authentic and believable. When you dig deeper, uh, you understand that this is the real pain. And unless you uncover the real pain, um, you will be treating symptoms, and which is not very helpful uh, you know, through the entire journey and it might fall off any time. So I'd like to discuss this idea of doing more with less uh, with your content, right? This is a very, very hot topic now because of the economic downturn that we're, that we're operating in. Um, one of the best ways to boost content's impact is by recycling, repurposing, and revolving it. Uh, you know, but at the same time, we should always be keeping a pulse on net new asset opportunities. Uh, if it addresses an, an unmet need or, or, or eases the buying journey, how do you prioritize or balance creating net new content versus improving existing content? Um, you know, I guess from the light of experimentation, right? Because that in and of itself is a whole whole process that can be um, kind of resource intensive. Uh, do you have any frameworks that kind of help you through through the those conversations of, of content prioritization and what's needed? So I, I personally don't believe in a lot of frameworks. I, I rather believe in, uh, you know, uh, looking at it from first principles and saying, does it make sense? Because, you know, many times when you look at uh, frameworks, it's going to give you some model. For example, you could look at it as an OKR model saying that, okay, what is the objective of it? Is Are these achieving these key results? If not, let's chuck it out. And sometimes we get over fascinated with this idea and uh, we start uh, pulling out um, several content from our website saying that, hey, we don't want to have content that is not doing well. But it's actually not really affecting your website. So the, the point is, it's it's about understanding what is doing really well, why is it doing really well, which part of the conversation is it helping? And pushing those into those right areas of conversation is where the actual magic is. One fundamental issue that I've often found is 90% of content marketing is often targeted only at prospects. We forget that it needs to cater to customers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is many times your existing customers who might have signed up with you about one year back might not necessarily have the awareness about all the new things that have happened within your product. I spoke to you about scheduler. I spoke, mm-hmm. uh, spoke to you about revenue intelligence. There, there were certain features that were not available one year back. And if I'm not educating them internally, can I use this resource as part of my internal product communication? Um, wherein in-app messaging, can I say that hey, this is the new feature that we have launched and it'll help you do X, Y, Z, show a couple of screenshots and then say, hey, if you want to know more about it, click here, take them through to a blog and showcase how exactly are the different use cases through which some somebody can use it. The whole point is you have to find opportunities to show you care 
And you cannot look at content from the perspective of I have content and I have to use it. That's not how it should be. That's that's the whole problem with this mindset of how I do more with this. It's, it's, if it starts from the point of view of what is my customer going to find useful? What is my prospect going to find useful? Then we will do a lot more things. You know, in fact, when I joined Ovama um, in the first week, when I asked my CEO at that time, uh, what is my what are my core KPIs? He said, for the first six months, don't even think about KPIs. Uh, the whole idea is we need to ask ourselves questions that will really help our customer genuinely. Our whole point is to make their life meaningful with every single thing that we do. So question yourself with every single touch point and go in as much detail as possible saying that if this is great, how can we do even better to make sure that this is the best ever piece of content possible? Or if this is the best way to answer a customer's question. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, Cool, cool. So uh, got a couple of rapid fire questions here for you uh, b- before we close out. Um, yeah, I love that. First one is any coming, uh, any, any upcoming speaking events that uh, you would like our listeners to know about that you're going to be participating in? Yes. So I have one that's coming up in March. So I'm going to be in uh, Erwan, Armenia at uh, Leadership School. So that's going to be uh, one important thing that's coming up in the new year. But apart from that, I just uh, rebranded my ABM Conversations podcast to uh, the Yak Project. I'm rebranding it to Seeking Answers because I wanted to make sure that it's it's not about me uh, talking about my point of views all the time. It's about seeking answers to the questions that I have on my mind. So that's that's where uh, the whole change came from. Yeah. Awesome. What about other resources or experts uh, that you recommend content marketers check out? Uh, in terms of books or in terms of podcasts? Whatever comes to mind. Yeah, let's go podcasts and then books. Okay. So um, in terms of podcasts, um, you know, I I really love listening to uh, the All In podcast, uh, which, which gives me an overall uh, view of what's happening in the US SaaS industry, SaaS market, and also a bit of world affairs as well. Specifically in terms of uh, marketing, I I like the, the podcast of Refine Labs. Uh, the yep. demand gen life, uh, which is over. really, really good. And I, I have also recently started to appreciate uh, the topics that Dave Gerhardt is bringing up in, uh, you know, Exit 5 as well. So these are my go-to resources. In terms of book uh, books, I would say, um, you know, the, the classics are always better uh, than uh, the recent books, which always have an agenda. Uh, so <laughs> um, I would say, you know, one of my favorite books of all time, I would say Purple Cow by Seth Gordon uh, is my all-time favorite. And um, highly, highly recommend uh, Obviously Awesome by uh, April Dunford. One of the best books I've ever read on positioning. Um, and then, of course, uh, 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing by All uh, uh, Race as well. Uh, and and I'm, I'm, I think I know what your answer to this is going to be, but what do you wish more content marketers do more of? <laughs> right. So uh, listen more to your uh, prospects and customers day in and day out. <clears throat> Beautiful. Um, and last question, what's the best way that listeners can get a, a hold of you? Yeah, LinkedIn is my uh, the easiest way to reach. So it's you know, just type Y-A-A-G and uh, probably mine will be the first name to pop up. Sure. <laughs> uh, if if not, you know, you can also reach, uh, reach me at yag, Y-A-A-G at avoma.com. By the way, if any of you are wondering what avoma means, um, it is an acronym for a very organized meeting assistant. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Yog. This was great. Um, 
such a fruitful conversation. I learned a lot. I'm going to be taking a lot of this stuff back to what we're doing at WebStacks. Um, and hopefully this is not the last time that we have a conversation. No, absolutely. Thank you so much for the amazing questions. I, you know, I love this conversation. There is so much that uh, we have discussed today and um, I'm, I'm so happy that the questions that you asked were very thoughtful and you dug deep in certain areas. I, I enjoy these conversations. It, it, it's not about talking too many things in the air, but these were very specific, great questions. And, um, you know, as I always believe, um, you know, we, we need to build long-term relationships um, and invest in, uh, you know, long-term people. So yeah, uh, as you rightly said, this is not the last conversation and I look forward to uh, staying in touch with you. Awesome. Uh, on that note, thanks for listening and uh, we will, we'll definitely be on uh, again in a bit.